0: Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the Senior Pastor of Transformed Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited with what the Lord is going to be doing. And uh, today's message is called Map My Run. So my wife and I like snowboarding and skiing and so if anyone wants to go snowboarding with us just let us know and um, years ago when we were much 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 younger and our knees were better um, we went snowboarding up at falls creek and um, it was perfect conditions we had 1.2 meters of fresh powder snow drop overnight so i remember the morning I, i i was feeling a bit sore from snowboarding the day before I'm like, oh, well, we'll get out, but we'll have a hot cup of coffee first, and then we'll have some breakfast. And I opened the curtain, and it was like 4D, ultra-high-definition Blu-ray. The sky was blue. The sun was out. There was nothing but white powder snow. And I said, forget everything. We're going now. And so I'm like, we we're having a great time. And I said, you know what? Why don't we go up higher and get to more snow, and deeper snow. And Jen was like, oh, okay. Then I'm like, we did that for a bit. Then I said, let's go higher, let's go further. And she said, hang on, we need to map out our runs here. We need to stick to the map, Chris. You don't want to take us to some place dangerous. And I said, we'll be fine. So we went higher and higher until we got to the point we couldn't see the ski lifts anymore. We couldn't see any other snowboarders or skiers anymore. We were basically on the mountains by ourselves. And Jed said to me, "Chris, are we lost?" And I said, "Of course not. We just haven't found ourselves yet. Like, we we know where we're going." So it got a little bit worse and then a little bit worse and then even more worse till eventually I'm like, "The only way forward is to go through these trees." which is not a good idea if you go skiing or snowboarding, you want to avoid trees. We ended up halfway down the side of a cliff and um, we're like, what was really funny, we actually, we got to a point where we stopped. This is without a shadow of a lie. We stopped and Jennifer said to me, we need to find some landmarks. We need to find some signposts. We need to see where we're going. We need to try and find the ski lifts. And as it turned out, I started nodding and agreeing, saying this is a good idea. I turned to my right and there was a sign like an actual sign that said danger avalanche (laughs) and I thought you know what this is one of those rare times where I have to admit my wife is completely correct we're completely lost we're off the track we don't know where we are and when you're actually off the track um, it's very dangerous the terrain changes when you come off the track and you can get lost. And it's not actually um, a great thing to experience. Now, we're going to try something. I'm going to see if my uh, remote works this morning. We're clicking away. Hold on. We're going to try and control the slides from the front of house today. So we'll just see. Pressing the button. Hey, there we go. No, is that me or is that you guys? (laughs) All right. Well, you're going to have to keep up today because it's... uh, We're gonna go. um, We're gonna go crazy fast today. This is what Jesus said. He said, "Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road, or the path that leads to destruction, and many enter it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Narrow is the road. Narrow is the road. Now, if you go to the next slide, this is what we think our map looks like. Go to the next slide, please." We think it's a straight line from where we are to getting to heaven. We think it's a very straight road. We've heard it's a narrow path. Straight and narrow is the way. But if you go to the next slide, what you'll realize is this is actually what the path looks like. There's lots of twists and turns in our journey of faith. There's lots of confusions at times, which is why we're shining the spotlight on certain things today. We can loop back. We can get lost. In fact, we can sometimes come off the map altogether. And so today I want to talk about how we actually navigate the narrow road. So there are three things I want to put out to you this morning. Okay, we're going to frame this up. Number one, we're going to learn how to read the map. Okay, we need to read the map. Secondly, we need to respond to the terrain. We need to respond to the terrain because what we'll find out in life is that sometimes the terrain is different from what we thought was on the map. And then finally, as we work through this, we're going to figure out how we're going to reach our destination. Okay? So we're going to jump in. We're going to read the map. So we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, and it says this. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us. And, it goes on to say, and let us run, let us run the race with perseverance, the race marked out for us. So there is a race and it's mapped out for us. So don't be like me and plot your own course and get lost. We want to stick to the map Now, when you're looking at a map, a map has specific map markers, specific milestones that let you know where you're going, where you're up to. So, are you ready for the Christian map? You ready for this? Now, what we're going to do? Just, I'll give you a bit of warning. It's very dense. We're going to put this up on Facebook. You'll see the picture uh, online. But this is your map. All right? These are the map markers. This is this is what we're talking about today in church, people. So, this is it. So, from eternity past all the way through to eternity future, all the way back from Genesis to Revelation, these are our map markers. Now, what's important to note down the bottom here, these lines, there are actually seven covenants as a Christian that we're involved in. You might think there's two. The Old Testament and the New Testament, Covenant 1, Covenant 2, there are seven. And if we know where the map markers are, if we know where the milestones are, we will know what to expect. So do you want to have a quick race through all of time together? Do you want to like run through from the beginning of creation to what happens after creation this morning? And then we'll stop at some map markers. Okay, so in the beginning, in eternity past, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're hanging out. And then God says, let there be. Now, these scriptures here, Philippians 2.7, Revelation 3.18, 1 Peter 1.19, John 17.24, Genesis 1.26, gives you an idea of what Jesus was doing before the creation of the world. Because it says Jesus is a lamb slain before the foundations of the world. Which means before God said, let there be, Jesus was on the way to Calvary. Now, you've got to think about that in terms of the type of God you serve. God's, everything was perfect. And then God said, well, if I create human beings, there is going to come a point where I will actually have to sacrifice my life for them. So the very first person to ever experience pain was God. Because he realized that if he pressed play on this, if he said, let there be, he was committing to physical pain for himself. So God says, let there be, then he creates the heaven and the earth. Bang, and it all comes in, flooding in. The Bible says that one day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. So within seven days, God creates the heavens and the earth. Then we have Adam and Eve. And everything's great. Everything's awesome. Up the very top, it says God is always in charge. But what you'll notice is kingdom expression one, kingdom expression two, kingdom expression three, kingdom expression four, kingdom unlimited expression. So here we go, kingdom expression one, eternity past, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, hang out, everything's cool. God's complete rule and reign. And then God says, let there be, and then he creates male and female in the image of God. He created them equal together. And he puts them in a garden. And the kingdom of God's rule and reign is still perfect. And then something happens. They eat from the tree. They take a piece of fruit. And then they disobey God, and then destruction comes in. Now, the first covenant actually starts right there in Genesis 3.15, when God says, I'm going to put division against you, the enemy, the serpent, and the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman is the offspring of the woman. from Eve, someone is going to be born that is going to crush the head of the serpent, and you will bruise its heel. And we go, what does that mean? Well, if you follow it... The first covenant, all the way through to the cross, and that's where it ends, what happens? Jesus crushes the head of Satan. He disarms the power of sin, sickness, suffering, and Satan. But his hands are pierced and his ankles have a nail driven through them to hold him onto the cross. So in Genesis 3, even though there's judgment, the fall, and you're going to toil and by the sweat of your brow work the land, but even in judgment there is mercy. And this is part of the character of God, that no matter what you, th- you read in Scripture and go, wow, this is really full on, there's always grace, there's always mercy. Because in Genesis 3.15, Jesus is already promised. So then we move forward. Now, what's interesting here, and this is, are you having fun, by the way? Yeah. Just let me know, because I love this stuff. The law of sin and death begins here. This is where, sorry, I might just move this out of the way for a second. That might make it, well, this is heavy. There's like a real, real um, pulpit. There we go. The law of sin and death is when, when human beings who were created to live forever, this is when we, be, we began to die physically. So our soul died when we sinned against God. The spirit had died. So, but we're still alive, but we no longer live forever. And that's why it says in Genesis, we're going to put a flaming sword and cherubims to guard the tree of life, lest they eat the fruit and live forever in a corrupted state. And so then we begin to track the Bible narrative. People used to live for thousands of years, and then they get younger and younger till eventually it says three score and ten, 70 years. The average lifespan of a person is 80 years. That's not very good considering it was meant to be, you're meant to live for thousands of years. So what happens is the law of sin and death comes in and the law of sin and death comes all the way to the cross then by Jesus' sacrifice the law of sin and death is broken because he crushes the serpent's head however what you'll notice in this journey of life sin sickness suffering and spiritual warfare still happens so even though the power has been broken it continues all the way to the second resurrection Mile map markers, map markers. Then we've got the flood, and then God again, second covenant never again will I flood the earth. And that goes all the way through to the new heaven and the new earth. A covenant is a promise that God gives to humanity. So we've already got the promise of the seed of the woman, Jesus. We've got the second covenant, the flood that will never happen again. Then we've got Abrahamic covenant, where he says to a man called Abraham. I will make your offspring like the stars of the sky. Multiple, you cannot count them. These are the children of faith that believe in God. And this has continued all the way to the cross and will continue to the return of Christ. And it says we are children of Abraham if we believe the promise through faith. We are adopted into this story, into this covenant through faith in Christ Jesus. Mile marker number three. We then have the Exodus Then we have what's called the Sinai Covenant, which is what we normally start with. We normally start with the Ten Commandments, the Old Testament. Testament means covenant, the Old Covenant. But as we can see, one, two, three, it's the fourth one. Now, the Ten Commandments, the law, the law continued to the cross. But when it reached the cross, it does not continue because Jesus finished and completed that covenant. Make sense? Yeah, yeah. We then have what's called the Davidic covenant where God says to David, from your offspring, I will make sure that someone will sit on your throne forever and ever, an everlasting kingdom. And it is from the line of David that Jesus is born. So this one continues all the way on to the new heaven and the new earth. The next mile marker, the cross, this is where everything changes and gets awesome. The cross happens, then we've got the new covenant. So, belief in Christ Jesus takes us all the way through to the new eternity. And we also have the Holy Spirit is poured out. And in the new covenant, it's nothing but blessing and promises. Amen? Amen. Amen. And, <laughs> unfortunately, the law of sin and death continues. Now, we're not subject to the law of sin and death according to Romans. But have you ever had a cold? Have you ever broken a, a bone and an arm or realized, wow, this body that was meant to live forever is actually a little bit frail? Have you ever experienced like trauma or abuse or nasty people? Have you ever experienced like there's war and there's killing going on, there's spiritual warfare? And even though the power has been totally disarmed, we still encounter it. We're going to unpack this in the next point, reading the terrain. We'll come back to that. But we move on. Then we've got, so we're about here. So if you do the timeline, according to the Bible, from Adam all the way to Jesus, it's about 3,950-odd years. And then we've got from Jesus to today, 2,023. You add them together, there's about, you know, 6,000-odd years. So remember how in the Bible, God created the heavens and the earth. On, all, all within six days, but on the seventh day, God rested. And a day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day. So we're coming up to about the year, we're about to start the seventh thousand year. What happens on the seventh day? You rest. So here's a cool bit that I know some people will love. It's called the tribulation. Now, there this is like from the book of Daniel. So there's like seven years where it's like hell on earth. And there is three possible ways that the church, the rapture, may happen at the beginning, it might happen during the middle, or it might happen at the end. So we can't unpack that today, but that is, that's like a good juicy subject there. But on the seventh day, at the beginning of the 7,000 years, Jesus returns, the first resurrection... He rules and reigns over the entire earth, which the church, which is you, you will have a part to play in this, and you bring in peace because the destroyer is put in a prison for a thousand years. So, this is all through in the book of Revelation. Then, at the end of the, the thousand years, it says he's led out to go and deceive the nations once more, so we go right back to the Garden of Eden. So, remember, day seven, everything's cool, but then after day seven, the serpent comes out, and then chaos happens. So day seven's happened, then the serpent gets loosed. He's about to do the same thing. But then Jesus says, no, we're not having a bar of this. And it says, and it's over, like a flash of lightning. Flick that switch, get rid of it, it's done. And at that point it says in Revelation that the devil, the beast, and the false prophet are thrown into the lake of fire. Then the second resurrection happens, and it's judgment day for all humanity. Unless you believe in Christ then you're part of the first resurrection because the Bible says the second resurrection has no power over you. So by believing in Christ, you get through the judgment because you've already been judged through Christ. And at that point, sin and death, or Hades, the holding place, this stuff, also gets thrown into the lake of fire. And then the new, new, new covenant, the great covenant, which says... I will be your God. I will walk with you. I will wipe away all tears from your eyes. There will be neither nor pain, sorrow, death. All the former things are done. You now enter into the fullness of God. You don't even need the sun. though There will be a sun. You don't need it because the light of God will light the universe. And then for eternity, everything is absolutely awesome. So looking at the map markers, looking at the map markers, We're about here on Google Maps. So we're just about to hit either either the tribulation or the rapture or something, but we're just about to hit the thousand-year reign with Christ, which is awesome. At some point. Now, Jesus said, no man knows the hour, so we can't say it's happening any... You know, Jesus said it's happening soon. He said, I'm coming back soon. So when you look at the timeline, you think soon is pretty soon i think it's happening pretty soon map markers like milestones they help us understand where we are they help us find our bearings they help us know what's ahead so we got lots of good stuff ahead yeah like you would think by this map god's pretty good because you know what's coming eternal life no pain, no suffering, no sorrow, no death. Reunited with loved ones in heaven. What's coming is really, really good. That's awesome. Map markers are important because you don't want to walk the wrong way. You don't want to walk back under the law where, you, where you're meant to get in heaven based on what you do, based on all your works, trying really hard. So the Jewish people don't recognize Jesus as Messiah. So they're still holding on to a covenant that's been fulfilled. Yes. It's done. They're kind of rocking, walking the wrong way. Or they're stuck. Or many people think, oh, that's the, we're, we're under the law. We're not. We're under grace. Yeah. The other thing that's good about map markers is that from this vantage point, you can figure out what to expect. Yeah. You can actually figure out what to expect. So... I have a friend who's in the military and there's a saying in the military, you read the map, but you respond to the terrain. We plot our course from the map, that piece of paper, but you have to respond to the terrain. So a few years ago, I lived up um, in the Dandenongs with my wife and we were coming home one night and a huge storm had gone through the Dandenongs. Now, our house did not move. The Dandenong mountain ranges did not move. The roads to our house did not move. But all the trees had been blown down on the path. And what was meant to take us, you know, like 10 minutes to get home? is an hour. Some people are two hours. Some people couldn't get home. Like there were so many trees that came down all over the path. So in the military, they they have a bit of a formula, and it's normally like, you know, you can walk five kilometers in one hour. And you can plot that off the map. And then when you put on the big 80 kilogram backpack, you can sometimes walk two to three kilometers per hour. That's what the map says. But if you get out onto the terrain, and the trees are blown down, or the vegetation's high, sometimes they've been known to only walk two to three hundred meters in an hour, instead of two to three kilometers. Because as the terrain changes, so does how the level of rate we advance. So for that, if you think about it, think about where we're up to. Think about where we're up to in life. Do you ever, like, do you ever think about this stuff? (laughs) Or is it just me? (laughs) I'm like, that's what I do on a Friday night for fun. Um, It's really important to know the map and to hold on to it. Because when you lose the map, you can feel lost at times. Because you're, you're, you're not expecting what to encounter on the terrain ahead. Like we can feel lost. The other thing, a good thing about a map is, if you know that what to plot out, you can get prepared. You can get prepared. So in business, we say that we live in what's called a VUCA world. V-U-C-A. Volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. Let's look at the terrain over the last three years, all right? There has been a landslide, an avalanche, if you will, of change and complexity in the last three years. Number one, the war in Ukraine. Then we have the global supply chain being completely disrupted. The cost of living has gone up. The rise of China and the threat of the Taiwanese invasion. We've had COVID. How much has COVID changed the landscape? Do you know, there used to be a time when we've had a flood of hand sanitizer. I was thinking about this. I'm like, remember the good old days when you could get up in the morning and lick a lamppost and put your finger in your eye, pick up a dead cat, then come to church and just shake someone's hands? Like, those days ago, and now you've got to use hand sanitizer everywhere. We're living in a flood of hand sanitizer. We're seeing the decline of Christendom and the increase in woke, woke culture. We've got the emergence of AI, the three different types, and the fourth one's just around the corner. 500 million jobs under threat within the next seven years, all because a bunch of people sat in a room, did some coding, and changed the way that we're going to live overnight. Famine and population increase, climate change, a complete landslide that's changed what we think is happening in the world ahead of us so if we go to the next slide what I'd like us to do now is shift gears and I want to talk about the terrain a little bit so what we're going to do is we're going to zoom in specifically we're going to the next slide please this bit here this is what we're going to zoom in on because this is the terrain that we face this is the terrain of our spiritual walk So again, it says here in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and entangles us. Things that hinder us and things that entangle us. Here's the thing about walking the path. We go to the next slide. Sin, sickness, suffering, and spiritual warfare are on the path on the narrow path these things still exist now Jesus said when you pray pray this way our father who are in heaven holy is your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth that is, is done in heaven so we pray from a kingdom perspective because when there's sin we pray for forgiveness When there's sickness, we pray for healing. When there's suffering, we pray for breakthrough. When there's spiritual warfare, we pray the name of Jesus. And we have victory. However, these things still persist and they can surprise us at times. I don't know if you've ever, um, on your path, on your spiritual walk, have you ever come up against a hindrance where you feel um, maybe something's holding you back? Um, have you ever lost the narrow path? Have you ever come off the narrow path? Have you ever done a mistake that makes you feel you're not worthy to get back on the path? What about the sin that so easily entangles us? Here's a question. What if the sin that so easily entangles us and trips us up is not just the sin that we do or the sin that other people do. What if it is The law of sin and death that we keep tripping over. See, I think sometimes we think, remember the very first slide, we think X marks the spot. We think it's just a straight path. But as you get on that path, you realize, well, there's all these sort of obstacles. There's loss, there's trauma, there's illness, there's sickness, there's disappointment, there's hurt. It's enough to make you leave the path at times. And makes enough to make you think, is this, is this meant to be it? Have you ever asked the question, have you ever asked the question, how could God let this happen? You ask asked that question? That is a question about the terrain, not the map. You think about it. Think about your map markers. God, good, devil, bad. Good, God, Bad, of sin, and death. Because if God was bad, then we wouldn't expect the next mile markers to occur where there's a resurrection, where there's a glorified body, where you get free of sickness, death, pain, and you get reunited and you live forever and awesomeness. Yeah. Unlimited snowboarding in heaven. <laughs> Great! But when we ask how could God let this happen, we're actually asking A terrain question, not a map question. Here's what I've observed about the terrain. Sometimes there's quicksand that we're not aware of. Do you ever feel stuck in life? Where it's like everyone's being blessed, but you're like stuck in the same crappy position year after year? Quicksand. And the more you struggle, the more you try and do it in your own strength, the quicker you sink. You get tired, you get exhausted. There's so much to do what about potholes where you're walking on the path and then you slip and you twist an ankle and you get hurt or how about bear traps where something happens and it just like clutches around you and you actually feel wounded what about what about when the path is overgrown by weeds remember that parable where jesus said that the enemy comes at night and he scatters weeds and tears among the field, and then they grow up and they choke out. But he says, just let that be, and we'll deal with that at the end of time. Sometimes the path seems to be so overgrown, we don't know where to go, because complexity is blinding at time. Trauma is very difficult to deal with. What I've observed is that Time does not heal all wounds. Time helps, but the only person who can heal is Jesus. What I've also learned, oh, that one got an applaud. Thank God. Just straight from the book. Here's what I've also realized. Some healing, law of sin and death, we're still subject to this because Jesus says they will live even though they die some healing only occurs in heaven I love the idea of instant healing I think I've experienced it once in 25 years I've seen a lot of recovery healing I have seen God heal my body through surgery and so through so many other things but there are some things that the battle scars only get healed when we get to heaven Sometimes there are things that we do not have the capacity to understand until we get to heaven. And if you know the map markers, if you know what stage we're up to on the journey, it's easier not to get angry at God. Now, if you want to get angry at God, go for it. He's a big dude. He can handle it. Father God would rather you be angry at Him than angry at the person sitting next to you. Because here's the thing about Jesus. He's already walked the path. What happened when he decided to leave eternity past and walk the past? He became the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He had to step into pain and suffering. I mean, isn't that kind of crazy? You think like you you had it all. And yet, because God wanted a family, because he wanted to share goodness with you and with me and with us, he, he, he stepped on a path. And here's the thing about Jesus, which I, I just find this fascinating. When Jesus was resurrected and he, did, he appeared to his disciples and he said, look at my nail-pierced hands, Thomas. Look at, the, look at the cut on my side. Do you know Jesus was whipped like 40 times, which would have meant the state of his back was just completely horrendous. Like he, he would not have been vertical. It was completely destroyed. Yet when he appears, he appears to be walking fine. So he got rid of those battle scars, but he kept these ones. Because there's something about humanity that's important that pain and suffering are a little bit part of this journey. Even when you go through pain and suffering, you reflect the maker of humanity. Because he... But we're not... We're not trying to glorify sickness, suffering, spiritual warfare, or illness, or sickness, or loss. What we're saying is we go through it, but in heaven all things are restored. But Jesus, as our high priest who's walked this path, he has experienced pain and suffering too. So here's the, there's narrow, another narrow path. And it's in Psalm. We don't have this, but I was thinking about this this morning Psalm 23. You'd you'd know this. And it says, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Do you know the shadow of the valley of death? It's a cavern in the Middle East, and it's got a narrow passageway. And shepherds have to pass through it with their flock. So it's like a bottleneck. It's the perfect place for an ambush. It is actually where robbers and thieves hang out because as you go through the dark valley, that's when you get attacked. Now, there's, there's, there's three things I just want to make really quick reference to here. Number one, the staff and the rod are not there for the sheep. Well, the staff is. The staff has got a little crook on the end. So when the sheep are wandering on the side of a mountain, like me, snowboarding in Falls Creek, If we're about to fall off the edge, the shepherd's crook, he hooks the the leg of the sheep, and then he pulls them back onto the path. And then it says, it actually says in Psalms, you carry me back to the righteous paths or the paths of righteousness. Jesus pulls us onto the path. But this rod, this club, that's for robbers. That's for thieves. That's for the jackals, the hyenas, the poisonous snakes in the wilderness. Jesus never beats his sheep and this is why we need to know about false doctrines why we need the Holy Spirit to guard us and why we need the Holy Spirit to guide us onto the right path some people I tell you I don't know their Jesus because their Jesus is an angry dude who doesn't like them very much and you're in one day and you're out the other I do not know that God the God that I know, when he comes down, like in the, like the, uh, man, the map marker, like when he comes down and he goes to, to, to bring second judgment and here's a new heaven, here's a new earth. And He's you know, the very first thing God does, he acts like a servant because like father, like son, Jesus was a servant. What is the first thing God does? He doesn't go, okay, humanity, now you're stuffed. It says he comes up to you and he puts his hand on your cheek and he will wipe away the tears from your eye. That's the same as picking up a towel and wiping your feet. Our Father in heaven, like, like don't cross him because he like controls everything, but like, God's lovely. God is lovely. The second thing about the valley of the shadow of death, this narrow path, When you're in a cavern, there's lots of echo. Maybe maybe you've done one thing, but it's been echoing in your head for years. I did one mistake, 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 mistake. And you carry that. I'm guilty, 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 guilty. I'm not worthy, 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 worthy. The cave you pass through what we need to do as Christians is not dwell in the cave. Because that's what happens. And it happens because we forget the map markers. We set up tent in the cavern. Yeah, I'm not worthy. If only God would like me. If only, maybe, there's, maybe he'll heal me. Maybe, maybe God will smile upon me. Maybe, maybe. There is no maybe about it. When you pay for something in your own blood, you've made up your mind. So watch out for these echoes. And the last thing are the shadows. Sometimes, (laughs) sometimes, most of the times, all the time, when you go through the valley of the shadow of death, there's a lot of darkness. But here's the thing. Though the shadows may come on you, they're not actually part of you. They're not actually part of you. You might feel that darkness at times, but you know what? You will get out of it. Because yeah, I often think about um, the prodigal son. Yeah. He was still his father's son in the pig pens. His environment didn't change his identity. How many of us have wandered off the path into an environment full of darkness, full of shadows, and we feel like we've stuffed up so bad, we think that we're the sin? We actually sometimes define ourselves by our mental playlist of not being worthy, of being guilty, of God not being worthy or accepted before Him. But they're simply shadows. Because as soon as God stands in front of you and He's Son, the Son, and He shines light on you and that shadow disappears straight away, all He sees is a child of God. He just sees a son or a daughter. So let's go to the next slide. Reaching, uh, how do we, like, reaching the destination? Well, we read here, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Now we're in verse 2. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. We need to hold on to the map. We need to read the map that's how we plot the course that's how we know that what's actually going on secondly we need to respond to the terrain because it is a narrow path but it's windy it's up and down there's lots of obstacles having the right expectation about the terrain helps us hold on to our faith it helps us hold on to our faith because again when you fall over a pothole or you get stuck in quicksand or a tree blows down and lands on your face you can look at the map mark and say actually the law of sin and death, the fallen state, God's good. Despite the circumstances, God's good because what's coming next is awesome. And this idea of reaching the de- destination, fixing our eyes on Jesus, last, last, last kind of few handles here. Number one, we've said it before, Jesus has walked the terrain. He's got battle scars himself. So he knows it's tough. But he finished his journey. And as a result, He then sends the Holy Spirit to guide us. John 14, to guide us and lead us into all truth, to bring us onto the path. He guides us. So how do we reach the destination? One of it is keeping our eyes on Jesus. Secondly, be filled with the Holy Spirit, our our guide who will guard us. Our guide who will guard us. Ike, our guide who guards us, develop that message. Develop that message the guide who guards us. Finally, our good shepherd will carry us back onto the right path. So as we close today, I just wanted to encourage you. It's really just like, like a message of encouragement, really. Um, seven covenants. Not two, seven. Map your mile markers. Figure out where you are. Understand what's coming. Don't be surprised by the crazy terrain. And when you see a brother or sister who is lost, go and find them. Search and rescue. But just remember, some things cannot be fixed. We're we're meant to find people. Only God can fix people. Because if you have gone through trauma or pain, um, that is really complicated. And it takes a long time to process, adjust to, respond to the terrain. But let's keep going. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So church, would you stand with me? Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.